BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today Oscar winner Ray Fiennes puts on a chef's jacket and begins to scare the daylights out of his anxious diners. It's a macabre thriller. It's called The Menu. And Tar, starring Oscar winner Kate Blanchett. She plays a symphony conductor surrounded by conflict and chaos, most of it self-inflicted. And I'm Smollier Haley Hamilton Cogill. With two big films this week with difficult leading characters, we have two incredible pairings. We'll toast our dark chef with a wine that is as difficult to get your hands on as a reservation at his illustrious island restaurant. (laughs) And for our stone-cold conductor, we have a lean, austere Riesling with biting acidity. Oh, that's perfect. Again, very much like her. But first, Gary, let's talk the menu. Okay, the menu is directed by Mark Mylod. He he was directed, I think, two seasons, at least one, of Game of Thrones. He's a big time nice. director. And so but he's playing he's playing now in, in theatrical and not on television. And it has Ray Fiennes and the great Anna Taylor-Joy, which we like. What yes. was Anna Taylor-Joy's? She's Queen Gambit. She's Queen's the Queen's Gambit. Gambit yes. And it's got Judith Light. She's one of the diners. Janet McTeer is one of the diners. John Leguizamo is one of the diners. And it begins with, you know, people arriving on boats at this destination, as you said, an island. And you have to have a probably a reservation well, well, well in advance to dine at this guy's restaurant. And it's going to cost you a pretty penny. It's going to cost you a minor fortune yes. to eat there. <laughs> and it's a multi-course tweezer food. We don't know. We don't know until yeah. Until we get in, yeah. And, and they have they have like producers that meet you or you know assistants to the chef, and and then he makes a big grand entrance and he gives a little speech before each course, and you know right away something's wrong. You're not quite sure what it is, and I'm not going to explain or give away everything that's wrong in this, but it's a wild, macabre, violent, crazy film, and it's different than I thought it was going in. I thought this movie going in would would be that there would be a, a big reveal sometime mm-hmm. that it's all just a show and a put on and all that stuff. And my big reveal here is no, mm-hmm. there's bad stuff going down mm-hmm. and it's going to happen. And it's, you know, and, and I I find it interesting as a food, is it a food movie? This I was so hoping it was going to be. It's not. <laughs> it's so not. It's not a food movie. No. It's not. They and tease it's not, you with it. And it's not like a, an homage to any great chef that you're like, oh, he's playing this character. It's not or based this on, is, yeah. Or this is based on this It's not based on Hell's Kitchen. Or any, no. <laughs> and, and 
but he's angry, and he's ready to make sure you know that. Why is he angry? Well, I think that that's there are elements revealed throughout the 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 dinner party. The first being, and I don't think it's giving anything. No, away, I think I can, but, we can talk about. But this. every every diner in that restaurant, every person who's come to dine. They're, they have the full backstory. It's almost like they're below deck, and they all have a dossier on on all the people coming to right. to to dinner. That the chef and the staff all know about. The chef and the staff know every single character that will be, every single person, every single diner that will every be there. Every bad thing they've ever done in their life. Done. Exactly. Uh, so they've got a dossier on everyone. And at some point during this meal, each course gets to one of them, gets to somebody and does something about them or reveal something. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give one thing away because I thought it was kind of brilliant. It was the best part of the movie for me is that on – what was it? On, it was on top of a tortilla? Mm-hmm. On top of handmade a tor- – Handmade tortillas. A handmade tortilla. You know, they go through this whole thing to handmake the tortillas and they, they bring it out and they start to serve it. And this one table of all these guys that have been screwing business partners around for years, they print on the tor- handmade tortilla – all their discretions, mm-hmm. everything bad they've done. I think they're bank they, statements. They're and, bank yeah. statements, and they list all their criminal activity. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work out well for it's them. It's not going to – things aren't going to be – it's not good. <laughs> in, in a way, and I, this is out there in print a lot too, the movie, you know, one of the main themes of the movie is is that it, it, it's this whole billionaire privileged – Mega millionaire, billionaire privilege. I can only eat at this restaurant if I have this much money, and I'm going to go there. And and the chef and the staff are sick of it. They're sick of overprivileged people that eating their food for some reason. But at the same time, that's the only people that can get there. Well, and including do that. one of the diners is a food critic and and a very well known food critic that has revu- reviewed this chef. Many times. Many times. And not going to turn out well. And then the 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 dialogue there, I think, is interesting, and it's why I, you know, I I I've always shied away from being an actual critic. Unlike you, having been a a, a legit critic, I just write about wine um, for so many years. I mean, did you ever? Did you ever have a situation where an actor or a director? It came at you after you had done a, a critique, after you had done a review? I never, I never did. I never, ne- that never ever happened to me. And that's interesting because I think, uh, did I play it safe? No. I mean, when you review a really bad movie, everyone knows it's a bad movie. Yeah. And some people try to find a little bit of good out of a really bad movie. But if I'm going to review 400 films a year, there's only going to be 30 35 or 40 that are pretty darn good. Then there's going to be about 250 of those that are just kind of in the middle. They're they're good one minute and really horrible the next. You try to find the good and the bad. And then there's a whole bunch of them down here, 100 of them down here in the barrel. So, no, that never happened to me. Um, I, I The only thing that no, – it's, it's not really an analogy of it, but I remember wanting to change a few of my reviews because I got them wrong because I the, the film turned out to be brilliant and I – Thought it was kind of a mess. And Blade Runner was one of them. Wow. But I wasn't reviewing films professionally. Right. I just remember I was at a preview advanced screening of Blade Runner, and there's 
Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott sitting in the corner with baseball hats. And there's some critics in the audience, but I thought, well, Harrison Ford never smiles. Why is he so grumpy? Why is Harrison Ford just, what's wrong with him? I wrote it on my little piece of paper. <laughs> I want to take all that back. All oh. that back. Because it's just a great film. It's brilliant. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is interesting. I'm disappointed with this film. Uh, I did want more from it. I did want more from it. And this begs that case, too. Do you go into the movies, and does the movie have to be what you expect it to be? Or should the movie be what you want it to be? And my answer is always no. No, the movie is what it is, and you have to deal with that when that happens in the movie. So I've had to deal with this because I love Ray Fiennes, and I think he's great. But I think it's I think the movie is slightly overrated. And it's, you know, as a thriller and as a scary little film, it's got some cool elements. Mm-hmm. It's got a terrible ending. Mm-hmm. It's got a—I think the last— Five minutes of this movie is really bad. Really just, no, please, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I would watch it. I would, I'll watch it again when it comes on because it's stylish. And it's got two really fine actors. Oh, a handful of really fine actors in it. But is it is it an award-winning movie? Not for me at all. Not for me. Not even. In, and there's so many other films. And one we're going to talk about in a minute. Good. That's really great. Okay. So I thought that uh, an appropriate way to to pair um, this narcissistic chef, not that these wines aren't from narcissistic people, but Napa Valley is filled with wines that have earned this reputation oh, of yeah. being a cult favorite. These are great wines. Uh, yeah, producers like Screaming Eagle and Harlan Estate and Hundred Acre, and I, I feel very privileged to have tried many of these wines um, several times. Are they the best wines that I've ever had in my entire life? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Not necessarily, um, but they are, without question, some of the most expensive wines in the world, especially um, coming out of out of America. Um, one that I thought was appropriate for our chef is from Realm. It's called the Absurd. <laughs> it's the proprietary blend, um, their most expensive wine. We had a chance to try this. I don't know if you remember visiting I, the winery as it was being built. Um, Scott Becker yes. and his winemaker, Ben yes. Lockett, Um Scott's businessman turned wine entrepreneur. Um, they were building their, their winery at the time, and we had an opportunity to taste with them kind of a little sneak peek taste in um, really, I think, the lab there, the winery had suffered greatly during the Stag's Leap fires of mm-hmm. 2017, I think that's right. So they had a little time that I think they had hoped to be further along when we visited them than they were. But, you know. But they had fun. big, if I remember correctly, they had big lofty goals. Oh, and and they're achieving them because their wines are 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 big and beautiful and um, 
and and have are easily at that cult status wow. um, uh, thought. Um, there are also wines that we've met with the winemakers that basically just told us how they manufacture 100-point wines. Yeah, if we do this, we're making 100-point wine. Yeah, and that's, I just choose not to. As you, uh, the beauty of being a wine writer is that I can just not write about the wines that I, I, I don't need to. There are enough of those out there. Yes. Um, the beauty of what Benoit and Scott are doing is creating, I think, really stunning wine. The absurd, I want to say, is about a $1,600, $1,800 bottle of wine if you can get your hands on it. Wow. Yes. Um, it's a, um, it, it's, it's big. It's, a lot of their wines I thought were very big. It's kind of that classic Napa Valley, um, big fruit, um, high alcohol. Um, but, but Benoit also has a very, um, delicate touch to his wines. He has a great refinement. He brings in an old world style that I'm immediately attracted to and and find um, very pleasing. Even with all the fruit, there's still freshness and there's st- structure. And um, I, I, I think that there it, it's beautiful wine and definitely of uh, worthy of of uh, being, I think, the perfect pairing with with the menu. It's highly, highly allocated, and you basically get one day if you want to try to get on the list. It's released July 2nd, um, invitation only. Um, the date is the exact midpoint in the year, which perfectly captured the balance and tension between past and future. Can't you just hear Ray Fine saying yeah, that? I can hear him right now. <laughs> so... That's a perfect pairing. Thought it'd be a fun one. I've never had Screaming Eagle. I mean, I, 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 Harlan Estate is some of the best wine in the world I've ever had. Absolutely. Yeah, and we've had that. Uh, but I've never had Screaming Eagle. And we know a guy who financed an entire movie by selling a vertical. Vertical. Well, that's Screaming Eagle. That's how much it costs. It's very, they're very proud. Yeah. Yeah, and, they are. you know, good for them. Oh, you know, if you open a bottle sometime, Haley, I'll try it. <laughs> I'm I'll, up, just, I, I'll just pull it out of the I'm cellar. up for that task, and <laughs> I'll, I'll make dinner, and it'll be a pleasant experience. <laughs> it'll be a pleasant Not experience. a big, darn nightmare. When we come back on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, two-time Oscar-winning actress Kate Blanchett, I think could win her third, playing a brilliant but messy symphony conductor in Tar. And we will be right back. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Lydia Tarr is a brilliant, world-class symphony conductor, but her choices and bad behavior in life are about to catch up with her. She's played to perfection by Australian actress Kate Blanchett. The film is called Tarr. Tarr. This is a tough one. I think it's kind of a perfect movie. I think, I, I don't, I, there's nothing in this movie that I would change, that I would because I think I think another once again as we're talking about James Cameron uh, on another show, Todd Field has not made very many movies in the bedroom, little children, um, but he makes perfect little movies. And every time he makes a movie, he gets an Oscar nomination for screenplay, wow. for director, and the actors all get nominated because he's so precise, precise about everything he's doing. And this is a great performance. This is 
not a good performance, I think, but a great performance by one of the four or five best actresses on the planet right now. I mean, don't we all go back to Elizabeth and Elizabeth oh. the Golden Age? Oh. How great was she back then? And those movies so are, are aging now, but they still hold so up. So great. But she won the Oscar for, I think, Woody Allen's film Blue Jasmine. And she won the Oscar for um, um, for The Aviator. She won supporting actors for that. Where she was Catherine Hepburn. She was Catherine Hepburn, young Catherine Hepburn in Hollywood. This is Catherine Hepburn starting her car. Stop that. Stop that. But I love her. But Lydia Tarr is not based on anyone. It's just a composite of what the writer Todd Field tried to create. And he makes hard films. I mean, Little Children in the Bedroom are very hard, difficult films about complicated people and complicated relationships. And she's kind of burning a path, Lydia Tarr, as she's kind of at the pinnacle of her career, and it starts with her on stage being interviewed by a famous music critic. Um, and uh, and then go, she's about to go off in a week to, to record Mahler's Fifth, and she's doing it with the German orchestra that she's in charge of. And she has people that work, wait on her and people that – she has an assistant that works with her. She has, she has a wife. And she has an adopted child. And the adopted child is kind of the sweetest relationship that she has. Everything else to me around her is pretty much cold as ice, pretty much an icicle. Um, she's demanding because she's really great at what she does. Mm-hmm. So there's this question that the movie, I think, is one of the main themes that it's based on, is if you're the best in the world at what you do or one of the best in the world at what you do, can you get away with bad behavior? And is that okay? And can you be a bully sometimes? Can you just fire people because you want somebody else that you like or are attracted to in that part? Can you discard people here and there? And does it all catch up with you? Mm -hmm. And I don't think the film comments on it. I think it just does it. I think it just has this kind of feel for it. It has an ending that is a little bit of a comment because she's in the process of losing everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And and so I find that all fascinating because she's great at what she does. So this is the interesting um, – I, I enjoyed this film very much. It, she Good. is cold as ice. Um, I'm going back to and, – and we're we're commenting on how this is terrible and she she just does this and she she makes these decisions and she – and and she just fires someone, and she is hard on the people around her because she demands the most from them because she demands the most from themselves. What if she was a man? Right. Because I think that her behavior is what we have seen men do all the throughout our entire histories. <laughs> there's there's nothing different in her um, requirement. To, to do your job, her expectation of excellence, her desire to be the best and to strive to, to, to achieve everything that she can. Um, yes, she makes bad decisions along the way, but it's almost like do we in our little brains expect because she's a woman that she's supposed to be the soft one? She tells her child's teacher that her fa- that the child's father, meaning her, has said this. I mean, she she puts herself in that place. Right. So yeah, she's 
she's she's not nice, but I don't know why we would why we expect her to be nice. Right, and I have no problem with all of that. I think there's you know at one point in this movie there's a person that there's a suicide based mm-hmm. on her on on her communication with her, and it's there's there's some really well, not based some on her tr- communication. There's a, there is a suicide, and there has been um, correspondence, but the but the again. If this was a man, right. <laughs> so here's my question. My, my, my it doesn't make it okay. My back answer, right? It doesn't make it okay. And part of the Me Too movement now mm-hmm. is all these men are getting caught. Absolutely, all these men now are are. It's not. It's not happening to the to the. I think it still happens a ton, mm-hmm. but just, we haven't we haven't grown up as a culture yet about that. But but you're seeing a lot of court cases. In the case of Harvey Weinstein, to me, is the one Absolutely. that. That that's just that's a monster to me. I don't think she's Harvey Weinstein right. at all. But the point about her being a woman is totally well. I think that's perfect. Thirty years ago, um, all, all I, I, think, I think for years up till actually just recently, men got away with this crap all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. So I think that's a really strong statement in the film that Todd Field's making mm-hmm. that that you just articulated. <laughs> Would you know at the end of this movie would she come back and have another career? I was thinking of you know because we're watching the decline of her career mm-hmm. in this movie, and I would think yeah she 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 should be back and doing something. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't, I don't think it's going to ruin her career, but it's at the lowest point it is. Mm-hmm. But she, boy, she's had a lot of success. I find her performance in this film just kind of flawless, mm-hmm. and I look at her and I feel sorry for her a lot. Because um, sometimes it takes tortured people to be really great at what they do. I don't know. You hear about this every once in a while, and I don't think everybody needs to be nice. You know, I I think in working with different peoples, you know, actors go through this a lot, where they're really difficult to be around. Dustin Hoffman was the most difficult person to be around. That guy made Tootsie. That guy did Midnight Cowboy. Mm-hmm. That guy, you know, made so many good movies. And 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 all those stories were true, but uh, James Cameron had a reputation of being really, really hard and really difficult. But people want to work with him mm-hmm. because they see what so they get good. to do at the end. Boy, there's some troubling stuff at the end of this film. She's conducting, and then she's about to lose her. She she lost her conductorship, yeah. and so they're recording Mahler, and she walks out on stage and goes after the conductor, and you just go, Oh my God, don't do that! Don't do that! Don't do that! Don't do that! Yeah. Man or a woman, yeah, don't do that. No, it, it's it's yeah. it's tough and it's interesting. But I mean, I I you're right. I and I was in a leadership role at one point, a thousand lives ago, and and I remember having an assistant that that said, "You're supposed to be my friend." And I and I said to her, "It's like I'm not your friend. I'm your boss. I I need you to do your job." If you do your job well, then we wouldn't be having this discussion. And and I I am a very professional and can be a very hard person, as you, my love, know. <laughs> and, and I expect a lot, but it's because I I don't expect anything from you that I want to give myself. And and I think that I think that that comes through. Um, do I necessarily, though, feel bad for her because of what 
she's allowed her situation to to become. No, because you have to be able to accept the consequences of of your actions. Yes, and and she's and it's happening to her. Yeah, and it's happening to her. It's a really good film. It's a good film. Yeah, it's a really good film, and I think it's gonna. It's one of those films that's gonna really hold up. I I think I think she's the one to beat for best actress. Her really, and, her and Michelle Williams. Oh, yeah. I think, and Michelle Yeoh from Every Everything movie. Everywhere. All I'm gonna have to go yeah. back and rewatch that movie. Everybody loves Everything Everywhere. It's winning a lot of the Best Picture awards. It is. It is. So yeah. I thought, you know, so our 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 leading lady is very cold, as I've described, and difficult and demanding, and she is at the height of her highly defined success. Um, Constantly pushing herself to get to the next level. Um, she's focused. She's lean. She's slightly bitter. She's quite austere. Yes. She is a German Riesling, <laughs> which makes it appropriate that this film takes place in Germany as well. Um, my pairing I've chosen, Dr. Lucen's Dr. L Riesling from the Mosul region. Um, so Mosul is, is so iconically known for growing great steely, intensely mineralic, very austere and lean and lacking fruit and high, highlighting the earth um, wines, recently in particular, because of these steeped slate-filled soils that just bring this intense pop of, of the earth into the wines. And then Riesling as a great variety, which is why sometimes we only kind of equate Riesling with being a sweet wine, which it's not. It's no. the, the acidity, the natural acidity of Riesling is so high that it's just going to strip all the enamel off your teeth. Well, it, it has a gasoline almost. And it can. If it you, can, When some it's of them. aged a little bit, yes. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a, a kind of a tertiary quality of 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 allowing the the wine to age on on its own though initially um it's just this very very focused clean kind of some white peaches maybe some nice white flowers maybe but really the the main thing when you when you have a a very dry riesling with um, maybe just a gram or two of re residual sugar, which you really need. That's the only way you'd be able to drink it. Um, is this lean, lean palate mm. and and very focused style? Um, Dr. Lucen, um, kind of no, one of the great producers um, of German Riesling, produces some very, very high end wines as well as some that are incredibly affordable, like the the Dr. L. I think it's around fifteen dollars. Wow, fifteen. Yeah, and. Um, it it just I I'm it's that old it's such classic kind of old world style it's it's earthy it's lean it's fresh it's um, gripping um, it's you know good with oysters it's good with fish it's um, I don't know it's, it's a beautiful wine and um, and I think a perfect lean pairing with our. Austere lady. Uh, you know, austere is a great word for this pairing, and also it'll take the enamel of your teeth off. Strip it right away. It strips it right away. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the great experiences of my life, um, 
was going to the Riesling Conference with you in Seattle. In Seattle. Which is filled with oysters and shell food and shellfish, yeah. fish and all that. Yeah, and I learned a lot about Riesling. Mm-hmm. I, and I learned to like that that when you taste really good Riesling, you're, it's really special. you're kind of in. But they're, they're like – they're not a cult – but they're all wearing Riesling shirts, <laughs> and they're all into – they're so much into that well, bridal. Well, and it's interesting at, the, at the, that particular event. It was um, great. Because I am so typically drawn to very dry wines, and and really over the course of, of several days of tasting at that event, um, grew in my appreciation of – not necessarily sweet, but off-dry, just because yeah. when you do introduce a little bit of residual sugar um, to this very gripping grape variety, it just accentuates the the structure and the texture and the character of the fruit so much more. So it's also, even though, you know, you may not think that you would enjoy a sweet, a sweeter style um, of wine or of Riesling, sometimes having just that little bit of, of residual sugar just evens everything out, um, which I think makes it... Just a great pairing. Nice. Nice. Tar and a Riesling from the Mosul region, right? German in particular, Wow, yes. German in particular. Next time on Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, two more Oscar contenders, including the return of Brendan Fraser... To the big screen, it's a Darren Aronofsky-directed tearjerker. It's called The Whale. I look forward to trying to figure out what to pair with Yeah, that, that, that could be a challenge. <laughs> and with that, I'm Gary Kogel, and I'm always looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Kogel, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Aloha. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.